Playoffs, playoffs, turn up, playoffs. Cinco, cuatro, tres, dos, uno. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the Cool Zone for another edition of the Cool Zone Pod. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the Cool Zone Pod. Give us some DMs. Let us know what you want to hear from us on every show. We will answer all questions. To nobody's surprise, we have not received a single question yet. That should change. Anyways, today we have a special guest with us joining Jonathan and I on the pod. His name is Michael Ayula. Probably the first time I've said your full first name in a while, but hey, how you doing nonetheless? Um, fantastic. Weird, weird hearing you call me Michael and not Lil Mike, but uh, really happy to be here tonight. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you know, it's just got to be professional. But anyways, we have a lot to talk to. And this podcast, like every other podcast, is presented by Mouth and Off Sports. Got to make sure to plug them. Go check out Mouth and Off Sports, Foxborough Files, Fixin' to Talk Sports with Ryan Brown. We love all our fellow podcasts under this umbrella. But like I said, we do have a lot to talk about. And most importantly, it seemed... Uh, I forget which day the trade actually happened, but uh, I almost debated calling some of you guys in for an emergency pod, but I decided to wait nonetheless. So, we got to talk about this James Harden trade. People kind of saw it coming, but um, the full details are that James Harden goes to the Brooklyn Nets, and in return, the Rockets got three first-round picks. They got four pick swaps, and in particular, they get first-rounders in 2022, 2024, 2026. Then they get four pick swaps in 2021, 2023, 2025, and 2027. And then they also get Victor Oladipo, who had just declined a $25 million extension, or was it an option, I think? I'm not sure which one he declined, whether it was extension or option, but I did hear that uh, they were having some difficulty with contract extensions over there. Mm -hmm. And also they got Dante Exum, who has been injured for probably his whole entire career as far as i know and around the block yep and a guy whose name i'm probably going to butcher uh rodion's crooks i think that's how it goes anyway uh this was a four-team trade essentially because we thought lavert was going to go to houston but he actually got sent over to indianapolis to play for the pacers but recently he got a physical done that showed a small mass on his kidney so he's going to be out for some time until that gets taken care of and then lastly, the Cavaliers kind of snuck in and got themselves a nice piece in Jared Allen. He's going to be the center of the future. That team is a giant mass of trees. And Torian Prince. And more regarding Torian Prince and the Cavaliers later. But first thoughts on this trade, Mike, we will start with you. What did you think about everything that went down? Um, before I get into that, I just want to point out, the Nets actually got four first-round picks out of this. They also... In getting Oladipo and sending Levert. Or no, the Rockets, excuse me, you're correct. The Rockets got four first-round picks out of this. You can blame Shams for that. In getting Oladipo from the Pacers and sending Levert there, they also got Milwaukee's 2021 unprotected first-round pick this year. Mm -hmm. Not that it's going to turn in anything more than like the 26th to 30th pick, but they did get an extra pick. Correct. Um, what what did I think of this trade at the outset? Um, I think this is a great deal for everybody, to be perfectly honest with you, if... If you're the Brooklyn Nets, this gives you a massive edge over everyone else in the league, assuming Kyrie actually shows up and plays, which he says he's going to do, and he's expected to make his debut Wednesday of this week with Durant and Harden. You now have a big three, the likes of which no other team in the league can match. LeBron and AD are the closest duo that can come up to them, but Kyle Kuzma doesn't hold a candle to Kyrie Irving. Friggin' Lou Williams doesn't hold a candle to Kyrie Irving. Even in in Boston, Kemba Walker's the number three. He's not Kyrie Irving. And their one and two are not at the level of Durant and Harden right now. They're getting there, and I think they can possibly get there in the end. But this puts Brooklyn over the top, and anything less than a finals appearance from them this year and a finals victory is an utter failure on their behalf. Mm -hmm. For the other teams, it doesn't get much better than that for Houston. I mean, they screwed themselves out of their own picks in making that trade for Russell Westbrook and Oklahoma City, who Nick, I know you're a fan of. They benefit greatly from that now that that roster is basically imploded. Um, but they did well to get a bunch of picks back. 
Oladipo's a really good young player. It'll be interesting to see how he meshes with Wall. He's been around the block now. This is his fourth team, I think. Orlando, OKC, Indiana, now Houston. Yep. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that backcourt message or meshes and uh, how those picks turn out for them. For Indiana, uh, Levert's a phenomenal player. I think he's actually kind of an upgrade over Oladipo. He's better at scoring the ball. Oladipo is obviously the better defender, but coming off the injuries, we, we weren't sure how that was going to turn out. It was great for Levert that he was able to get that physical too because he wouldn't have gotten that for over a year, and now he was able to find that lump. Uh, prayers mm-hmm. up to him. Hope he, he turns out okay. But massive upgrade for Indiana. I, I think he's he's a phenomenal scorer. And Cleveland, great freaking job. You, you you came in and you got Jared Allen for nothing. <laughs> they really you, you just literally, you, in. you just came in and gave up a second-round pick for Jared Allen, who's one of the better young centers in the league, and he's going to be a phenomenal replacement for Drummond. So overall, I see win, 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 win. And the team that has the most to lose is obviously Brooklyn, but that's mostly based on potential, and we'll see. Jonathan, anything to add? Yeah, I mean, I, I would parrot most of what Will Mike said. I mean, I, no one was surprised to see James Harden get traded, especially after what went down like over the last weekend and stuff like that. But I did expect him actually to get moved to Philly. I think that most people expected he was going to get moved to Philly for a package... Um, highlighted by Ben Simmons. Obviously that didn't happen. He got moved to uh Brooklyn, but I would I would agree with what Mike said. I think it was a four team win. I think the biggest winner of this trade just by pure like what did they gain versus what they gave up. I mean Brooklyn obviously may have won a championship off this trade, but the Cleveland Cavaliers giving up nothing for Jared Allen is absurd. That is a that is a steal for them. And I love what the Pacers did too. They weren't gonna Oladipo was gonna walk in the off season, and the, what they did is they traded for a guy that they think can, you know, maybe not replicate exactly what Oladipo does, but is a good young building block um, for a team that's it's hard to get stars to. And he could turn out to something, you know. I don't think he's ever gonna be a superstar, Levert, but he can be a good, good maybe make an all star team or two. And Houston did well for the position they were in because they had zero leverage. Zero. I mean, Harden just wasn't going to play or was going to just dog through the regular season mm-hmm. and the team was going to explode. And for all those picks they got with having no leverage, I have to give them credit for that. Because he was just going to... They, they already told him that... He, they they basically told him not to come to practice yeah. before the trade was they had, done. They had zero. I mean, yeah. zero leverage. Yeah. So, I mean, in that situation, they really had no choice. Um... I think as far as uh, the Pacers go, it's great for them because I think the most important thing with Levert is that he's young. And also, in addition, he's not as injury-prone. Obviously, we talk about how he's going to be out now, but uh, Oladipo is really shown to be injury-prone a lot. And at some point, those injuries are going to count up. His age is just going to keep adding up. And uh, I think this is a nice, not necessarily reset, but it's kind of like they step off the scale but then step right back on without having to wait. So you pair him with a guy like DeMontis Sabonis, who has been an absolute monster this season, and other guys like Malcolm Brogdon. And you've got a solid team in Indiana. Honestly, uh, I was watching some of the Pacers-Clippers game the other night, and I didn't even recognize some of these guys that were playing for Indiana. And I had no idea Dougie McDermott was there in Indiana as well. And he had like 15 points in like the first quarter of that game. He's been there for a minute now. He's, yeah. he's been on that bench for a while. He doesn't play a huge role, but when they actually give him minutes, yeah. he... That, he was involved. He was, he was he was in the Paul George trade. Yeah. He's becoming quite the journeyman, though. He's been tossed around kind of around the league a good amount. Mm. You don't think so? He's only been on three teams. Really? It was only, what, Chicago? OKC and OKC Indiana. OKC and Indiana, really. That's it. I don't know. I would have expected him to be on more teams. He feels like a guy who who has been on more, but I do think you're right that he's only been oh, on no, you're three. De- he's, he's definitely right. Yeah. But, like, he's only, what, he's going to be, like, 27 or something like that? He's probably old because he I'm pretty sure he was college, a senior. He was yeah. a four-year college player yeah. in Ukraine. So he's, he's probably late, like, t- maybe 29 or something. He, he's like in his late 20s. Yeah, I can look it up. Regardless. Yeah, yeah I would say, like, 20. Um, so, pivoting off that, uh, we got to talk about Kyrie a little bit. And Kyrie is slated to miss his seventh consecutive game. We are recording this, obviously, on a Monday night, as we always do. 29 for McDermott. 29 for McDermott. So, yeah, he's already basically passed. He's, he's where he is. He's going to be what he is. We know that. <laughs> yeah. So, Kyrie missing his seventh game tonight. Uh, it's Monday, January 18th. They're currently playing the Milwaukee Bucks in a tight one in the second quarter as we speak. Uh, but as we said, Kyrie not playing in this game. He is uh, too busy uh, buying a house for, well, that wasn't new, but like, Reports came out that, um, according to Steven Jackson, that he had bought a house for the Floyd family, 
Um, so I shouldn't say too busy, but that report did come out today. So that's a great thing for him to do. Um, you just kind of wish he was back on the court, kind of doing both at the same time. And hopefully he gets back on the court soon. They figure out what's going on with him. Because you pair those three together and you're going to, like Mike was saying earlier, I mean, they're an absolute monster and they're almost an unstoppable force. So um, what do you, when do you guys think Kyrie will realistically return to the Nets roster? There was a report out today that he's going to be back Wednesday, that he's ramping up his conditioning and that he just wasn't going to be ready to go tonight. But Wednesday night, we are going to get our first look at those three playing together against the Cleveland Cavaliers, Kyrie's former team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this week. But there comes a question of how long it's going to be. Like I, bef- I'm, I feel like they could mesh and they could go on a run, but to me it just seems like it's... It's a when, not an if Kyrie Irving like stops playing for a time this season. This is talent wise, it is it's up there in terms of groups that I've seen. I think that the Death Squad Warriors obviously takes the cake. N- nothing's ever gonna quite match that. But ego wise, um, this, this is this is about is the as most, bad as it gets. This is the most <laughs> volatile th- this team is a Reggie Jackson away from having the most volatile locker room that I've ever yeah. seen. I mean like Th- they could blow up at any point. Oh and, easily. Like it Irving and Harden in the same backcourt with how much they like having the ball in their hands, they are going to have to make some serious sacrifices this year to make this work and to go after a title. And I think Harden, based on what I saw the other night in his initial highlights, I think he's willing to do it. You know, he was like running over to help Durant up. He was, you know, encouraging Durant after he missed a layup. He he looked like a good teammate, which you haven't seen him do in years. Um, Irving, Irving already has one. I, I do think he will at least try to buy in and make it work. But beyond this year, it's questionable how well this will work I would out. say, would you two both agree with this assessment that if anyone's going to blow up, it's going to be Irving and Harden, not Irving and Durant, or not Harden and Durant? It's going right. to be Irving and Harden, no, I think, that would blow it up. Uh, 100%. Durant is on the record for saying, I want Harden in here, and Irving is on the record of saying, Durant's my best friend in the league. So he likes both of them. He is the only thing that is going to keep them coexisting. Yeah. Those two, I don't know how they will mesh. Harden hasn't meshed with any other ball-dominant point guards. He didn't mesh with CP3. He didn't mesh with Westbrook. He doesn't like playing with other people who like having the ball in their hands. Okay. Kyrie Irving is someone who needs the ball in his hands to dominate. He can score from outside. He can score from inside. He's probably the best ball handler in the league. But this is going to put him into an off-ball role that he hasn't had since he was playing with LeBron. So it's it'll be interesting to see how that meshes. Yeah, I mean, I uh, coming into this, I probably am the most skeptical of a group of players or just a team or a locker room coming together uh, than I've ever been of any other group of players and possibly professional sports, at least for quite some time. And that almost makes me want to think that this is going to end up working out well just because of how like much the odds are stacked against them. So... Um, Another thing, so kind of wrapping up all the other details of this trade, or at least all the teams involved in this trade, uh, this didn't have to do with the trade exactly, but there were reports that came out today that Kevin Porter Jr., one of the first-round draft picks for the Cavaliers, had a outburst in the locker room and pulled a J.R. Smith and started throwing food around, and apparently... Um, now they're looking to waive or trade him. So I don't think this is a very impactful thing, but I thought it was worth mentioning. Um, do we think, because we've seen bad locker room-like outbursts happen for Cleveland in the past. Is there something wrong with this locker room, or is it? do you think it's just a case of bad guys coming in with bad attitudes? I mean, last year's was more of a case of uh, you had a coach that tried to coach college style in the professional uh, basketball league, and that doesn't work. This, I just, I don't think, I wouldn't compare, like, the two. I don't think they're, like, comparable. I mean, Kevin Porter Jr. was on the team last year, but he's only in his second year. I think he just, he just might be, like, a weird guy. I think that might just, it just mean, it just, the answer just might be that simple. That he's just, like, a strange guy. And he has, like, mental issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think this is just an isolated incident. It's probably just something to do with Porter. I'm not quite sure what went on. Um, I don't know all the details, and obviously we don't know everything, but he's, his time in Cleveland is over. 
And to be quite honest, if I'm one of the 29 other teams, I'm jumping at the bit to go get this guy. He was a former second-round pick, but my goodness, can he score, and he is a perfect seventh man off the bench to come in and give you 8 to 12 points a night. And he's only 20. He's yeah, 20 years he's a, old. He's a young, young player who can score the ball really well at this level, and he's not going to cost you much. You can... You can get him for what it costs Cleveland to take him, which is a second-round draft pick. That's probably all they're going to be able to ask for. You might have to take on one of these jolly green giants that's clogging up the paint for them in addition to it, but you will be able to get Kevin Porter Jr., and he should be able to help any NBA bench. Yeah. So I'd be chomping at the bit. And like guy. I said earlier about Harden and how I was so impressed with Houston, this is another situation where I don't think Cleveland has any leverage because the reports are already out that they're going to trade or release him. So. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have much game to say, you know, you got to give us this or we're just not going to do it because they're getting rid of the guy no matter what, it yep. sounds like. Yep. At least he... the Rockets weren't going to get, weren't going to cut Harden. You we're still had to afraid. at least yeah. make a trade for Harden. <laughs> right. Where did he play in college? Because honestly, USC. when I when I saw Kevin Porter, the the name, I was like, honestly, I have no idea. Is this Michael Porter Jr.'s brother? No. Uh, um, he played at USC. Right. So... Uh, we'll see what happens with that. In other news, you know, we, last week we talked a lot about COVID because it was really destroying the league's schedule. Um, I think at that point it had taken out somewhere around three to five games. Since then, we've had even some more games get added to that. And most recently, we've had the Wizards have a huge problem with now their seventh player getting tested positive today. In addition, also, I think a staff member, I think there had been no other staff members that had tested positive until today. So they've now gone a full week without playing games or practicing. And sources are saying that they're eyeing a midweek return to practice. So hopefully they do that. Um, But I guess kind of an update. What do you guys think about COVID going forward? Do you think that the NBA has a good plan in place? Because we talked about them having their meetings and not too much really came out of that except for just more stricter policies. They actually wanted guys to stop high-fiving on the court, which really makes no sense. I mean, we've heard some of these guys talk about their issues with uh, some of these policies and the, these mandates. Uh, and honestly, they're, it's, it's worth hearing because they're, they're able to be on the court with each other and be right up next to each other sweating their asses off. But they're not allowed to, you know, high five each other after free throws. It just kind of seems a little ridiculous to me. But uh, nonetheless, so what do you guys think about COVID going forward? Are you worried that this could blow up? Do you think they've handled it well now that we'll get back to normal, or do you think this is just gonna kind of keep going on this same up and down where teams just kind of get spiked with COVID and then have to wait and then come back? So I do think they're handling it the right way. Um... They only scheduled the first half of the season. They only scheduled the first 36 games for all the teams. That was one thing that we that Jonathan brought up last week that we thought would be kind of in their favor so that they could make adjustments. Yeah, so. they, they can figure it out. I'd be shocked if they if every team ended up playing 72. I think it'll be closer to 55 to 60 just because they're going to have to make up so many games and they're going to have to force so much. Um, but I do think they're handling it the right way. I know the players don't like you know not being able to high-five. It's in their DNA to, to do those things. You know, sacrifices do have to be made. They're not, they're not going into a bubble during the regular season. They're not going to do that. So, if it means don't high five anyone for two weeks, I think people can live without high fiving people for two weeks, um, and hopefully they can get back to that sooner rather than later. But the NBA is doing everything it can to handle this while continuing to play games. Uh, I think they'll only start to see a real issue if you have like five or six teams at the same time. Then it could become problematic. But as long as you don't have that, then they should be okay. Yeah, I I also think they'll be fine. I mean, you you saw a little bit of this in the MLB as well. I mean, they had to shut down like the Cardinals and Marlins for a long time, but the Wizards. I mean, I think everything will everything will be fine in the long run. Um, it is interesting. I, I'm pretty sure the Wizards actually got this outbreak from the Celtics, from like Tatum and Bradley Beal. And the Wizards have been hit a lot harder than the Celtics have. Which tells me that maybe the Wizards and the Celtics were taking more precautions as a team than the Wizards were. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think a little stricter. And what's going to save them is that the expanded rosters are just is, is going to be what they use to get through this. Just expand the rosters. Maybe you play with, you know, G League guys that you don't want to run out there, but... They're gonna push through, and they're they're gonna get through this, and eventually, 
you know, they're going to start vaccinating certain players, and they should be able to get through the season fine. I'm not worried about this season, like, getting shut down at all. I mean, maybe it will get shut down for two weeks, as we mentioned previously. Yeah. But I will put it at a... If if this season gets shut down, like, for good, I will be, I'd be stunned. Yeah. Especially because everyone's predicting that as the season goes along, it's, it's going to become more favorable for the conditions to continue to play. Right, so they kind of just got to keep digging through the trenches right now to just reach the end goal, and then by the time playoffs comes around, things should hopefully be better. Okay, so before we get into the Celtics, again, just a couple more things to go through. Um, as we will do pretty much every week, we'll just take another look at the current standings of the NBA so when we last talked, it was the Celtics and the Sixers leading the charge in the Eastern Conference. Now the Milwaukee Bucks have gone on a nice little four-game winning streak and have won eight of their last ten. So now they take first place as the number one seed going nine and four this season. And close behind them are the Celtics and 76ers and Pacers. The Nets have started to figure their stuff out. Now they are 8-6 and six and hoping to keep the, everything going in the right direction with James Harden. We still have a few surprises in the 6-7-8 spot. You've got the Knicks, who just scored a big 30-point win over the Celtics. More on that later. And the Cavs and Hawks at 7-8, and eight, both at 6-7. and seven. But, you know, it certainly looks like those last three seeds, we thought that the Heat would be a part of that group of five teams leading the Eastern Conference, but the Heat are really struggling this year. And one of the things that's come out is after one of the last games, it appeared Bam Habadayo was really getting into it with his teammates and kind of saying that they weren't playing with the same intensity, they weren't playing to that same culture that I guess the Heat have been playing with. So the Heat have really some problems to figure out. Um, after having such a great bubble playoff season um, and making it to the NBA Finals before losing to the Lakers. But other than that, it really does look like with the Raptors struggling, in addition, that those last three spots in the Eastern Conference are going to be up for grabs. Do you guys have any thoughts about what is going on in that Eastern Conference right now? Anything glare out to you? Uh, well, we talked about it on the last episode where, like, we were saying, are these teams, like, legit, like, where they are in the standings? Yeah. I'm fairly confident that the top five teams in the East right now, Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, Indiana, and Brooklyn, will be somewhere in the top five of the East at mm-hmm. the end of the year. I think stuff is starting to round the form. I would expect Miami to get in there somewhere, but I think they're digging themselves such a hole that they can probably only get to six. Um, and then for the for the last two, I mean, it could be Atlanta. It could be, I mean, maybe the Knicks, I guess. I, my bet would be on Atlanta and Orlando, just looking at just looking at this. Uh, you could say Toronto, but I, I think they're completely cooked because they are playing out of a hotel the whole year. I think that, that finishes them. Um, and then in the West... I mean, I think everything's kind of just coming into form. With that, with those the teams that were up at the top earlier were flukes. I think Phoenix. You liked Phoenix. You talked with them before. Yeah, it's not looking that, good. I mean, I think they'll be they they can be a playoff team, but they they're not going to be the one seed. They're going to be like the seven or eight seed. Uh, I just think this is just typical NBA. You had a you know no pre barely any preseason, barely any training camp. So you had some teams that started slower than others, some flukes in the first couple of weeks, but. I think as the season keeps moving on, the good teams will move to the top and the bad teams will get pushed to the bottom as they should. Yeah. Um, looking at the East, it's it's a four-team conference. It's Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, and Brooklyn. Those are the only teams that can come out of there and win a title. I, Indiana's the team of very good. They have a bunch of very good, not great players, headlined by Sabonis. And they've been like that for years. It's, it's just Even when Paul George was there. It's just their DNA. The Heat, I think they, like you said, uh, they can get up to a sixth seed. I really like their roster, but barring a Bradley Beal trade, they're not getting out of the first round this year. I, I know that they that they outsmarted Brad Stevens with high school defense over a seven-game series last year. They're not getting away with that this season. They're not going to get away with it against Philly. They're not going to get away with it against Milwaukee, and they're certainly not going to get away with it against Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. So they got to they gotta pray that, that they somehow get Boston in the first round again, or they're going to get obliterated by one of the other big three. Out West... I'm a little surprised at how low Denver is, to be honest with you. I would have expected a better start from them with their roster and coming off the year they had. I'm not sure if it's fatigue or what it is. Um, well, I'll tell you what it is. It's not Jokic. He's playing out of his Jokic, mind. I yeah. can, oh, I can tell you. I have, him in, I have him on both of my fantasy basketball teams, and he is an anchor. 
I'll, I'll give you one reason why the Nuggets are where they are. I'm guessing it's Jamal Murray. No, it's because they traded away a automatic 30 points, 10 rebounds, and Jeremy Grant. Oh, God. Or he didn't trade away. I think he was a free free agent. agent. But they didn't re-sign Jeremy Grant. Now he's balling for the tank and Pistons. Well, he's not a small forward. That's why they didn't re-sign him. Um, That that honestly could impact their record. I do expect them to jump up. I expect San Antonio to fall down. I don't think they can hold up for as long as they are. Mm -hmm. I think this is the year we get the Battle of L.A. in the conference finals. The way Paul George is playing... He looks like a man on a mission. Everyone knows what Kawhi does. He he goes through the regular season, then in the playoffs, snaps his fingers, flips a switch, and he turns into the friggin' Terminator. And then LeBron versus AD, or LeBron and AD versus those two. That's what everyone wants to see. They're still running the conference out there. Um, and I have a hard time seeing any of the other 13 teams catching up to them. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, uh, the Jazz have vaulted themselves up to the three spot right now. They're on a nice little five-game winning streak. I honestly didn't really expect to see that as soon as I or as we have. Um, and like you mentioned, the Spurs eight and six right now. They've won two in a row, six of four of the last ten. I mean, I thought they would be like the worst team in the Western Conference given their roster, and Lamarcus Aldridge is becoming a shell of himself. So I, I mean. In addition to that, the Grizzlies have won five games in a row, and John Morant just got back to the lineup. So who knows? Maybe the Grizzlies have put together a team that'll squeak into the playoffs. They won't make any noise, but um, I'm also a little surprised at Dallas, but I think it's just because we get the impression that because Luka Doncic is so good, you know, he's had like four 30-point games in his last six, and he's just a triple-double machine. Uh, I think the you would... Like most fans, kind of just assume if they don't pay enough to closely attention, that the Mavericks are better than they really are because that roster is just not as good as you think it might be, given who Luka Doncic is. Porzingis is still not in his true form that he was when he first got to the Knicks, and other than that, the only other thing I think I want to bring up is, given everything that happened with the James Harden trade. Uh, the Rockets sit at four and seven. Do you think they'll squeak into the playoffs at all, or do you think they're gonna find themselves on the outside looking in at uh, who's gonna be on the draft board this year? I think they're in the six to ten pick range. I don't see a playoff team there. Um, Christian Wood's phenomenal. John Wall does look like he's returning to form, but the rest of that roster is atrocious, and they're just waiting to sell off the spare parts. PJ Tucker is on his way out the door. As soon as they get an offer that they like. The fact that rookie Jay Sean Tate is getting big minutes, and I didn't know who he was until he had that beef with Harden a few weeks ago. It, like that, that should tell you all you need to know about this roster. They're they're not the worst team in the league. I I think there are some pretty clear cut terrible teams like Minnesota and Washington who are significantly worse, but they're not a playoff team, and they shouldn't try to be a playoff team. That they're well, well, actually, they probably should since they don't own their own first round pick, but. You know, they can't keep up with these teams. Not not for the whole season. I don't see a playoff team there. Yeah. yeah. Well, before you go, um, you brought up Minnesota, and I meant to remember to say this, but uh, the depressing news coming in about Carl Anthony Towns getting COVID after everything him and his family have been through, hoping he recovers quickly. Uh, that family's that that family's been through enough. Um, that's probably some of the worst news that you could have gotten. Um, Obviously, you don't want anybody getting COVID, but uh, I think that's one guy. If I had to put a little protection on, I'd probably probably slap a protection tag on him. COVID, stay away. Um, Jonathan, do you have anything else to add? Or uh... oh yeah, I mean I agree with Mike. They're they're not a playoff team, but they're uh, yeah. I would put them from like eight to twelve, six to ten, same thing. They're gonna be a late. I have them as a late lottery team. Mm-hmm. Which you know, hopefully, the worse they are, the better. Hopefully, they don't end up being at the bottom of the barrel because obviously OKC got that top four protected pick. That's what, okay, I was wondering. Yeah, it's top okay. four. Top four. So I, I would like to think that there are four teams that will end up worse than the Rockets. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah. I would, Detroit, Washington, Minnesota, and, and one of like Chicago or Charlotte mm-hmm. would be will be worse. Where's than Char- Charlotte being six? That's surprising. They'll fall off. They, 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 They're dog crazy. water. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, well, we know Gordon Hayward over there. Yeah, that's just bound yeah. to. Fall and the apart. way the lottery's set up, you might you. I mean, the top, the worst three teams all have an equal chance to get the number one pick now. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So the final thing that we can discuss before we get into some Celtics talk is, you know, I want to shout out. 
the Twitter account Hoop Central, a really good Twitter account for all NBA fans. Keep yourself involved in what's going on. And recently they've put out a little uh, little duo comparison. So which duo would you pick? So uh, the two of them that I saw, I'm going to propose to you guys. I think one of these um, could be close, uh, but the other I think will be really easy. But regardless, I'd like to get your thoughts. So the, the first, first two duos, and you get to pick one. Would you rather have LeBron James and Paul George or Kevin Durant and Jimmy Butler? That's that's actually kind of tougher than I think it is. Um, I would rather have LeBron James and Paul George simply because of LeBron James. I know what that guy is going to do. He In the playoffs, he's the best player, no, no matter who he's facing against. Even though Kevin Durant beat him in the finals, that was just because they were on a super team, that he was on a super team. Um, Paul George does worry me in the playoffs, but... If all four of these players are playing at their potential, I rank LeBron one and Paul George three. So for that reason, I take one and three over two and four every day. Yeah, as much as Paul George scares me, um, if he is playing up to his, his peak talent, he is a better player than Jimmy Butler. So that I would probably take LeBron and Paul George. I... I did hesitate because I don't know that Paul George is going to show up. Playoff he the last couple of years has been iffy at best. And if, and if that guy shows up, then that duo is getting demolished because Jimmy Butler always shows up. Mm-hmm. Always. And so does Durant and LeBron. But but with, with how Paul George is playing right now, it's it's LeBron and Paul George. Yeah. No, I, I obviously agree with both of you guys. I thought that was a little easier, to be honest with you. I As soon as I saw that, I was thinking LeBron and Paul George right away. Uh, but I understand, obviously, the concerns. That's your Kevin Durant hate coming through. Nah, 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 chill, chill. I'm totally unbiased here. All right, the next duo. Let's see what we got. Devin Booker and Nikola Jokic versus Bradley Beal and Joel Embiid. Beal and Embiid. Not even a question. See, this one's close, but I kind of like uh, I kind of like Booker and uh, Jokic here. Right. I'm going. I'm sticking with Little Mike. I think Devin Booker. He's a nice player, but I think he's a stat patter. I don't really. Th- I don't think he's. And a Bradley Beal's not a stat patter. No, they, he is. But like Bradley Beal's on a trash team. Like, I think. I think. I don't think. I think Devin Booker is getting a little. I, and I know he's Booker. supposed to be the best overall player on the team, but I think just based off of the fact that he's in Phoenix, I mean. We we would be talking about Devin Booker like remember when he dropped like seventy on the Celtics yeah I, mean, like, I, I think he's he just he's a, he's good but I don't know he just strikes me as a guy he doesn't seem to me like he's he's a one I don't know how to like describe it but like if you're gonna win a championship I don't think Devin Booker is gonna be like he's a one B like a Jalen Brown type. He's is, not a two, but he's not a one A either. He's a one B. Is it fair to say this discussion in or in this discussion that Jokic and Embiid are more or less a wash, and this is more about Booker or Beal? I actually take the opposite approach. Really, I think Beal you think it's and, more about Jokic and Embiid. Yeah, because if you look at it, Booker and Beal the past few years they've been putting up big numbers on terrible teams. Right. Like I see two shooting guards who are high-volume scorers with the ball in their hands, but they put those numbers up on bad teams. So I don't really know what they are on a really good team. Right. So I call that a wash. When I see Jokic and Embiid, I see, okay, probably one of the three best offensive players in the league in Jokic. Mm-hmm. High assists, high rebounds, great scorer at all three levels. But Embiid's playing like an MVP right now. And he, defensively, he is just so much better than Jokic. Yeah. He is... He's a brick wall inside. He's the guy's seven foot three and probably close to three hundred pounds, and he moves pretty well for a guy his size. Plus, he can score at the same clip Jokic can and rebound. The only difference is the passing. I don't need my big man to pass. I need my big man to get down low, body the crap out of somebody, and score. That's what Embiid does. You give the ball to either one of those two guys, they can get it down low. Who's winning that battle? I'm taking Embiid. I mean, I would say, I mean, look, it is an evolving lead. I don't know if I would say I need my big man to do exactly what you said. Obviously, the position, certainly based off the definition of it, entails that. But like I said, I think the NBA has evolved and so have all the positions now with everybody, like the Warriors, playing all that small ball that they did with Draymond Green and whatnot. Um, 
I don't know. I kind of like the versatility of having Jokic. Plus, I don't trust Embiid. And I don't know. Maybe I'm biased. May I hate Embiid. But that guy gets hurt all the time. And Jokic, I feel like, doesn't really get hurt. I mean, he's out of shape. He's kind of a fat bust, except he's not a bust. But, uh, listen, he it seems to be consistently on the court just putting up 35, 15, and 15. Maybe an exaggeration, but that's what it feels like, at least to me. At least I feel like this is between Booker and Beal. And like you said, these are both guys who just, I feel like recency bias is kind of would drift people towards Bradley Beal. Because I feel like the conversation of Devin Booker is just like really low right now. But everyone's talking about Bradley Beal. Maybe because he's on the trade block. Maybe because he's averaging 35 points a game. Probably the latter, if we're being honest. But I don't know. I think this one is close. So I, 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 I can understand the argument going both ways. All right. Can I raise a hypothetical as well? Perfect, then yeah. This, this is a Celtics one, actually. So it just okay. leads us into our Celtics talk. Perfect. I love that. Okay. Would you trade, as Celtics fans, would you trade Jalen Brown straight up for Bradley Beal? Not a chance in hell. I would. I would, too. Yep. You know why? Because he's the best t- friends with Jason they, Tatum. Yeah, that's it, what I was saying. And it could ensure that they're together for a while. Yeah, but you got to realize in five years, Brown is going to be in his prime with Tatum. In five years, Bradley Beal is going to be exiting his prime. Like, I mean, Bradley yes. Beal is only 27. And in five, Jalen Brown's only 24. I mean, in five I mean, years. Three time, years difference isn't crazy. I, I no, think, but the timelines line up better with Brown. If you keep Brown and Tatum together and they have the success that I think they're going to have, this could be the best duo in the league for a long, well, long time. Well, let's talk about what they each offer. What what do you? What is Jalen, and I'm not asking this because I don't necessarily know, but I just want it to be spoken out loud. What do you think Jalen Brown has to offer at his prime that Bradley Beal cannot offer at his prime? Elite perimeter defense. Okay. So, do you think that sacrificing that uh, in one player decides whether you win an NBA championship or not? Yes, it does. In this league, yes, it does. If it, if anything, I've talked to Jonathan about this, and he pointed this out to me a while ago. We went through, I think it was all the 2000s teams that won a title. You don't get to a title without an elite wing player on your team. You said 2000s teams? Like, from 2000 until 2020. Teams that have... Okay. Like... If you look at those teams, I'm pretty sure 80% of them were led by a winger, or at least had a yeah, really... Yeah, the only ones that come to mind for me are the Warriors when they won in 16, which were led by an all-time unbelievable Steph Curry, which I'll have you know did have to play six games against a Cleveland team that didn't have Kyrie Irving. Correct. Kevin yeah. And the Pistons team led by like Chauncey Billups, which was probably a fluke. Yeah. And the which Lakers were you, drained after going to like three straight championships. Yeah. So would you count Kobe? Uh, he's a winner. He's a six, six, he's, yeah. And Shaq. Yeah. And on and the other one, you had also yeah, around that height. He's too. like six five, and they had yeah. Shaq and like. Like you look at these teams and they're led by elite wing players. Mm-hmm. But I, mean, I would even, say Bradley even, Beal is also like I mean he's not small. No, he's not small. He's I mean you're only giving up probably like an inch or two of height right there, and Beal is. I don't know that Brown will ever get to this level. Being able to score the ball like thirty-five a game is ridiculous at that at that league. No, I think it's fair to say Bradley Beal will for all always be a better offensive player than Jalen Brown. That's for sure. Yeah, no, that that I agree with. But the way Brown is playing this year, I think it could get closer than it might look right now. And defensively, I think there is a significantly larger gap there. Bradley Beal has not. He's not. He's a. Bradley Beal is borderline a defensive liability. If he wasn't, the Wizards wouldn't have been this bad for so long. He he is. When you have to put that much work in offensively, even LeBron, like, look at LeBron over the years. He's been phenomenal offensively, and people are like, oh, well, he doesn't play defense. Well, he can't because he has to do so much on offense. You become a defensive liability as a part of that. So Beal, because he's doing so much on offense, he can't do it on defense. So he's instantly a defensive liability, and you get so used to playing that way, you forget how to play a different way. Look at Russell Westbrook. He hasn't engaged on the defensive end for years. Look at James Harden. He hasn't engaged on the defensive end for years. These guys don't know how to do it. Jalen Brown knows how to do it. He's not going to just forget that. So the only thing I, I want to propose on the other side is I think we should think a little situationally in the sense that, you know, this isn't 
what you have, and, and it's not only a one-on-one trait, but it's what how it makes the team. You still have Marcus Smart. You still have a fantastic all-around defender in Marcus Smart. So, I mean, if you're telling me that Bradley Beal won't be able to defend the guys normally he's supposed to, I mean, you can realistically, in crunch time, or even more than that, you can play Marcus Smart on those, those guys and kind of give Bradley Beal the worst of two options, If unless you're talking about a team that has, like a Nets that has you know Kyrie and James Harden. Which one do you want to cover? Which one do you want to get destroyed by? I here's what you're forgetting though right now you still have to hide Kemba Walker you can't hide Beal and Walker one of them would have to take on one of those mm-hmm. two guys you can't hide two players right now you have the luxury to hide Kemba Walker on Joe Harris because Brown can take Kyrie because he hates Kyrie's guts Smart can take Harden because he knows how to lock up Harden and Tatum by default has to take Durant and he's not gonna lock up Durant no one is but like he matches up better with him than anyone else he's supposedly 6'10 now so at least he can stay with him and still possibly get his. You can't hide Kemba Walker if Bradley Beal comes here. That is he, true. You're going to have to put him on somebody. Why does it feel like for the Celtics that for the past, as far as I, as long, as far back as I can remember, that they've always had to hide their point guards on defense? Because their point guards suck on defense. Like, we're talking about Kemba, we, we got to hide Kemba. When we had IT, we had to hide IT. Kyrie, I mean, I don't know if there was as much talk about hiding Kyrie defensively, but I wouldn't consider him a defensive... He's not a defensive stud. For my final thing on the trade, I think... I agree that maybe from, like, a talent standpoint, you don't make the trade, but I would make the trade simply because in the NBA, you have to keep your superstar happy, and Bradley Beal and Jason Tatum are best friends with each other. They're from the same high school. They're from... St. Louis together, they are best friends, and I think that that gives you the best chance going forward to keep your superstars happy, to keep them in Boston for a decade, and that's why that's why I think I would pull the trigger. Yeah, I think um, I think we all have pretty solid points. Hey, that's a that's a that's a nice little little hypothetical there. Um, yeah, but no, I re- I would really love to see Bradley Beal in Boston, but. Nonetheless, uh, moving forward with the Celtics, so uh, this is where the conversation is going to get a little depressing, but let's start with a little a little happy note. Let's at least talk about the pretty much 30-point win, 27 to be exact, against the Orlando Magic earlier um, in the week since we last spoke. 124-97 game here. Honestly, um, this game was... I don't even think it was close for all too much. I mean, the Celtics were up they went up six after one. They were up twelve at half. They just kept increasing their lead over the course of the whole game, and uh, they did this without Jason Tatum, who obviously is still on these safety and health protocols. Um, but you did get Jeff Teague putting in a good game, which we've been kind of clamoring for and kind of saying he's a trash can, or at least he's been a trash can in his time in Boston. But you had him come in and shoot fifty percent from the field. And man, you know, last week we talked about Marcus Smart uh, shooting the ball too much, and he just continues to do so. Luckily for the Celtics, it didn't hurt them in this game, but it did in the next one. And the thing is, it didn't really matter, to be honest, because nobody was shooting in that game. But a bright spot that I thought was uh, Semi Ojale putting in 20 minutes and shooting 6 of 10 from the field for a nice 18 points. You know, if, if Semi can be your guy off the bench, your, your, your big, we call him the honest stopper, but 3 and D guy off the bench, I, can't, I mean, that's what these guys are going to need. That's why I was so excited about them bringing in, like, Jeff Teague and Tristan Thompson because you needed to bolster the bench, and Thompson is probably going to end up finding his way to the starting lineup in a more permanent basis. Once, hopefully, the Celtics and Brad Stevens realize that Daniel Theus is a... F- He's been dog water. Yeah, I... I, I I almost just cursed, but it's fine. He's a trash can. I hate him so much. I watch him play basketball, and I wonder what goes on in his head because it's not basketball sometimes. He, it's just, it's just, he constantly makes stupid fouls. He's been coming off the bench the last two games. He's not been starting. Well, he better. They, they, Sick of it. Brad Stevens woke up and realized he couldn't start two centers in today's NBA, and he decided that, oh, look, Tristan Thompson's the better one, so you start. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So, did you, uh, did you guys have any thoughts about this game against the Magic? Any takeaways from it before we get into the sadness? Um, 
kind of what you expected. They had a bunch of time off. Everyone was fresh. Love seeing Taco get minutes. He he mm-hmm. pulled a little Euro step that was really a travel, but they let it go. Love that. Oh my god, it was it was he so took, obviously three steps. Yeah, he took three steps and then <laughs> and then dunked the ball. It was kind of funny. And then the the, jump the bank in long two that I wish they just counted it as a three because they counted the three step travel. But I digress. What do you expected? Great win. Yeah, good win. I mean, I was kind of surprised how well they played since they didn't really practice. I expected mm-hmm. them to come out rusty, and they. I would have expected what happened yesterday, what happened on Friday. Yeah, that's uh, fair. I think as we do, that was a good win. as we uh, as we do every week, I think we should continue it. Um, for every game that Aaron Nesmith plays, we will read out his full entire stat line and do a deep, deep, deep analysis of this young man's progress in the yes, NBA. Your Boston Celtics lottery pick, I might add, <clears throat> lottery pick. Best shooter in the draft. Yes, that's heralded as the best shooter in the draft, Aaron Nesmith. All right, so let's talk about it. In this game, the 27-point win against the Magic, Nesmith played 18 minutes. He shot 2-7 from the field. Uh, if you do the math, that is very below 50%. 1-5 from 3. All right, I did the math. That's 20%. Wow, that's some good <laughs> math. <laughs> Didn't get himself to the free throw line. Picked up no rebounds. Two assists, had a block, so defense, maybe he's, maybe, maybe, three and D? Yeah, three and D is exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) Uh, He had one turnover, so I guess he's got to work on, you know, ball management. Okay, okay. Uh, Three personal fouls. Um, I feel like if you look back at all the games he's played in, I feel like he's probably averaging around three or four fouls. He did in their game they had against Toronto. He he had four fouls in ten minutes. He finished a minus four, which was, you guessed it, the worst wow. on the team. It was a close game though, right? What did you what was the how much did they win by? Uh twenty seven if my math is correct. And you said that he was minus when he was on the floor? He was minus four. And they um, won by twenty seven and he yeah, was minus won, on the floor. That is correct. And wow, that seems that seems like it's hard to do, wouldn't you say? Yeah. You won by twenty seven? It's, it's pretty hard tough. to be minus on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, also, as Mike is covering his face right now because he can't take it anymore, uh, the known worst plus-minus player of all time, Tremont Waters, yes. was only a minus one. I think that's a positive for Tremont Waters. I would agree. And I think that's kind of ironic, you know, positive. You see but no I mean? one thinks Tremont Waters is a real NBA player. Oh, no. Him Aaron Carson Eastman Edwards. Carol Carson Edwards is a lottery pick. Aaron Eastman is a lottery pick. Yeah. Mike, do you have any thoughts about everything we just Best said? shooter in the draft. I mean, can we just can we just talk about the thirty point loss to the Knicks? I don't want to talk about this anymore. Well, we're going to talk about yeah. Aaron Nesmith's game yeah, too. Can you read Aaron Nesmith's game against the Knicks right. too. Hey, we'll stick right with it. All right, here we go. In a thirty point loss, ready? Thirty point loss. Okay. Aaron Nesmith, and I'm going to go backwards from the way I went last time okay. because the last stat I think is the most ridiculous one. Zero points. Minus six. Okay. One foul. No turnovers, no blocks, no steals, no assists. One defensive rebound. He did not get to the free throw line. He was 0 of 2 from 3. Best shooter in the draft. Mm-hmm. 0 of 4 from the field. And this is the worst stat of them all right here. A 30-point loss. He played eight minutes. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. So, let's, wait. Let's... I, I'm doing the math in my head. Okay, okay. So, yeah. best shooter in the draft, the last two games, he's 1 of 7 from 3 and yes. 2 of 11 from the field? Is that um, good? Hey, For the best shooter in the draft, is that good? He just needs time. Right. Right. I mean, I can tell you this. I did look at his college stats. Uh-huh. And... In his, you maybe you can make this as an argument, but I'm going to use it against him. Obviously, he got hurt in their first game of SEC play last year, which means all his stat padding he put up for Vanderbilt was against like the division like one scrub schools they played in like the first ten or twelve games of their season. Sounds like his stats were uh, so he was he was playing. If you want to use this as an excuse for him, you can say, well, you know what, he was playing at playing against people that you know. At best, might my, my play in Europe, like one or two players might play in Europe at best. Most guys will go, they're working a 9-to-5 uh, after they finish college. 
and now he's playing in the NBA. But I'd tell you that uh, his stats are inflated, and now he's in the NBA, and uh, he just can't play because he's bad. He's yeah. a bust. As much as that was a bit comedical to go through, uh, on a serious note, I am very concerned that he only played eight minutes in this game. I mean, Semi played 23 minutes. Pritchard played 17. Javante played 18. You know, Grant played 24. Why is... why This is the game when everybody else can't shoot. And for three straight quarters, you score below 20 points. Why is this not the game that Aaron Nesmith gets some run? It, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, I don't know if you have anything to say, Mike. I got one thing to say. That's eight more minutes than Romeo Langford played yesterday. Well, all I gotta say. He's your hurt. other, I your other say. great lottery all, pick. All, <laughs> I, all I gotta say. <laughs> Another great lottery pick for Danny. Alright, so let's uh, continue to dive into the mess that was this game. I mean... 75 points in a 2020 NBA basketball game. Whoa. I don't know the last time the that I saw an NBA team only score 75 points in a game. It, uh, it tied it, for the lowest output of uh, points for uh, the Celtics in the Brad Stevens era. They scored 75 points another time in 2015 against someone. <clears throat> and that was one of the years they had like an off, one of those awful teams. Yeah, right? that was the year they... No, well, that was the year they were in the seventh seed. They got swept by Cleveland uh, oh, in the okay. first round of the playoffs. Fair. Um, but I was like thinking about it, and when I was watching the game, I was like, this is going to end up being one of, like, at least for the Celtics, this, the, the score, their final score is going to be like what I remember seeing the Celtics and Hawks play when Paul Pierce was a Celtic. Those games would end like 85 to 88. And they didn't even reach 80. So, I mean, as you would expect, they shot. 62% from the free throw line, 18 of 29. You know, we've highlighted, in a funny way, we've highlighted um, Jason Tatum's struggles at the line, but in reality, he's shooting a very high clip. Uh, but overall, this is a, a very concerning performance, but you'd like to think that this would be the little kick in the ass that they need. Uh, to start playing a little harder because it didn't seem like there was any urgency in this game. Um, the big thing that we have to look at here is Kemba because Kemba made his return and his season debut in this game. He was on a 20-minute restriction, and it just felt like at times he was trying to shoot his way out of a slump, and in your first game, that concerns me. So he finished 3 of 13 from the field. He jacked up 8 threes, cashed in only 1. Uh, he had 3 boards, 4 assists. He had 5 turnovers and only finished with 9 points. So I guess the one thing I'll ask about Kemba is, are you concerned about Kemba long term? I'm terrified. I, I, I know that I am one that likes to overreact like at certain stuff. And I know he hasn't played and this was his first game and whatnot. But it gave me vibes of it gave me late bubble Kemba, where like he shoots the ball and I don't expect it to go in, like mm -hmm. just break after break after break. Similar to Marcus Smart now. Yeah, and I think it's like, I think his knee and his health, you might not like see it in like his like movement and stuff, but I I'm worried that the way he's he shoots or the way I don't know if it's mental or if it's physical, but. I mean, I'm get. I was getting late bubble vibes from Kemba. Like, I will say, like you mentioned, his movement. He looked great moving on the court. There were, no, at least to the eye test, didn't seem to be any real physical ailments to him moving around on the court. It's just everything that included a basketball did not go cleanly for him. Yeah, I mean, I I think the, what was his plus minus yesterday? So he finished a minus nine, which was it was probably it was sixth on the team sixth worst actually i should say the the worst were basically when you have a 30 point loss it usually is just the who were the guys who were on the court right. for the yeah, most time so like jalen brown marcus smart grant williams and tristan thompson they were, those were the, the four of the starting five along with kemba and those were the guys who had the four worst um plus minuses jeff teague with a nice minus 15 playing 14 minutes 
that that's that's <laughs> mind-bogglingly bad. That's my, more than wow. one a minute. Um, and Javante Green with a minus ten playing eighteen minutes. Hey. Um, yeah, it's just nothing went well. Tristan Thompson and Graham Williams had three points. Obviously, they're not guys that you expect to put points in, but they shot both twenty percent. Like we said, Kemba was three of thirteen. Smart was four of fifteen. O for seven from three. To the point where you just kept looking at your TV screen and seeing him with the ball at the three-point line and just saying, why? Yeah. Uh, they, they're they playing Philadelphia on Wednesday and Friday of this week. Uh, today's Monday. I think Nick mentioned that earlier in the pod. Mm-hmm. But I hope that it's a, it was simply a case of you come off a big win Friday night against Orlando. You got an early game. For the first time this season, you have a, a day game. One o'clock start. I, just, I hope that the players just couldn't get up for it, and they were kind of <clears> looking ahead to their big matchups against Philly later in the week. But I am worried, and I'm terrified of Kemba. I'm absolutely terrified. Yeah. Um, I, I think yesterday was a fluke loss. It, they, they were playing a Tom Thibodeau coach team, and they did not get up for the game. And if you don't get up for a game against a Tom Thibodeau coach team... He could have a bunch of college players, and he's going to beat you because those guys will play hard the entire game. Mm-hmm. And if you don't wake up, they will lock you down. So, fluke loss. It is what it is. I hope this wakes them up against the six against the um, the Knicks going forward. The Sixers. I'm interested to see how that goes because they're doing this without Tatum for both of these games, and this will be a real test for Brown and Kemba to see how they can handle the team on their own. Like God forbid, if something serious happened to Tatum the load would fall on their shoulders to carry the roster. Mm. So this is a real test for them. On the Kemba topic, the Celtics won't win a title with Kemba as their starting point guard. He's going to hold them back. He's going to want his shots. If he can't make them, he becomes a liability, and he's making a huge amount of money. So do you think they should move him? Call me crazy. I would move him for a lot of people that most people wouldn't move him for. I would move him to Washington for Westbrook if you can make it happen. I also would do that wouldn't even think twice i also wouldn't bat an eye hmm. I, I westbrook has had some bad efficiency numbers this year but one thing that he has that kemba does not have is he hates two people on the brooklyn nets and you can get him to lock in for a seven game series against them so long as you can carry him to the conference finals he will lock in for the remaining 14 games that you have. Yeah. So if you can just get him there, and I think the roster's good enough to get him there, you can somehow make that st- that swap straight up, and that's how you use that's how you use your trade exception. Go for it, Danny. Get Kemba out of here. I, yeah. I love him as a as a person, but he's not going to get you to... You're not going to win a title with him. As and at least if you trade for Westbrook, like, yeah, Westbrook might put up that Kemba stat line of, like, 1-8 from 3. But as you said, at least you're going to get something from him on the other end of the court. And he's going to get his 10 assists, whether he oh, yeah. shoots oh, well yeah. or not. But <laughs> Kemba, if, if Kemba's not shooting, you know, 40% from three, putting up at like 20 points and like six assists, he's useless. He's useless. He's, he's not even, he's like, a liable, if he's, he's shooting negative. 20%, 25% from three, That's a negative. He, he, shouldn't even, he shouldn't even be playing, period. Yeah. And you know what I really like, the, you know, in this dream scenario is the combination of Westbrook and Tristan Thompson because you know Westbrook is gonna really dog his way to the rim, and Tristan Thompson being such a good offensive rebounder, those two kind of really scrapping under the rim. I really like the prospect of that. Let Jalen and Jason work on the outside. I think he would fit pretty nicely on this team as long as he understands his position. Like yes. Comparatively to Tatum and Brown, you've been there longer. You've been not necessarily a top dog, but one of the best overall players in the league. Um, But understand that these are two really good young players and you need to play with them instead of just play next to them. Um, If that were to happen, I mean, they could do do really good things together. As long as Brad would like go to Russell and say, listen, we know you have an MVP. We know you're great. We brought you in here to facilitate the ball, run point, and defer to these two guys as the top scoring options and give us a spark. And it would we be know. by far his best chance to win a title since oh, he was an OPC absolutely. with this, Durant. This would, this would really, really help bolster his title chances because he doesn't have a ring yet either. No. He could be ring chasing. And this is a system where if he buys in and realizes, okay, I only got to take 12 shots a night, he could be really efficient and, taking those 12 shots. If he's driving to the paint for six or seven of those, taking about four mid-range jumpers and maybe taking one or two open threes just, just to make the defense respect the drive a little bit more. 
That's perfect. That's all you need out of him. We know that Brad's system is good for the point guard. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the system turned Isaiah Thomas, who was a a good, a good, that's that's what he is. He was a good player and turned him into a top five MVP candidate. Yeah. Because the system is is a point guard friendly system. Oh, absolutely. And it also speaks volumes saying that, that if Kemba Walker is playing in a system that we know is point guard friendly, seeing what Isaiah Thomas did, and I know the players are different and stuff like that, but if Kemba can't do crap in a system that I know is beneficial for him, then he can't do crap anything, anywhere, anytime. And mm-hmm, he yeah. he may be cooked. I don't want to say that he's cooked, but what I saw in the bubble and what I saw yesterday, it was very similar, especially late bubble Kemba. He better he better pick it up quick, or because I'm I'm seeing very bad uh, habits from Kem- him. Kemba and Langford for Westbrook make it happen. Yeah, and you're gonna probably have to throw in a uh, two or two firsts or something like that. I don't think so. They they Westbrook doesn't want to be there, and well, they they don't. If you give up Langford, that's basically. I mean, I would say if they give up, yeah, Langford. I mean, Langford. hey, throw in Neesmith. I'll throw in Neesmith. <laughs> Who says no? He's the best shooter in the draft. Yeah. Who's gonna say no to him? Young core. And you're, and I, I'd, I'd rather I'd pick. rather just give up like a late first round pick this year <laughs> than give up on both of them that quick. Just I really don't know if wa- the Wizards would give out uh, give up Westbrook that easily. Yeah, I also don't like. I regardless of whether our value of him would be that of uh, that trade making sense, I feel like we wouldn't be able to. And get also, him. I would say. For us as Celtics fans sitting in a basement talking about this, about how concerned we are of Kemba, I think that every GM I would hope in the league has even more concerns because they would have more access to injury information and whatnot yeah. than we do about yeah. Kemba. I just I like the the Westbrook prospects because that's realistically the only person that I think you could actually swap Kemba Walker for. I don't see any other teams like you're not getting CJ McCollum for Kemba Walker. You're not getting John Wall even for Kemba Walker at this point. Hey, what about Wiggins? I don't want Andrew Wiggins <laughs> for Kemba Walker. I actually that is that is I would rather keep Kemba and eat the twenty five percent shooting I'm, than bring in I'm Andrew try, Wiggins. I'm trying to think of dogs that are making like a ton of money. It, it doesn't get much to, worse. You're it just, have to match money. It with really Kemba. does not get much worse than Andrew Harrison Wiggins. Harrison Barnes. No, because he's redundant. It's that there's just so much redundancy there. Not yeah. a wing. You, it's not. It can't be a wing. That's two. You already have two wings. Hey, what about Drummond? He no, because mm. you already have Tice Thompson and Time Lord. Like that, that it doesn't work. Cut Tice. <laughs> I mean, if they want to include like Tice in the deal, then include then, Tice and Robert Williams. That's that's just stupid. Uh, you need, his you need, name like, is Time Lord. You need some nope. Depth. His um, name is Robert Williams. No, his first tr- name. Like if we're trying to think of expensive guards, I re- I really don't think you could do better than Russell Westbrook for Kemba Walker. And I really think any Celtics fan who believes that you can win a title with Kemba Walker at this point in his career, he's going to be the reason they lose the playoff series this year. What about Mike Conley? God no, he looks he's he's dog water now too. He's completely washed. He's a slight slight defensive upgrade, but I would do it. I like Mike Conley. I think he's played well this year so far. I think his contract is up quicker, so if, if anything, that would be my only incentive to do it is you clear out that money and then you can just stack the bench around Tatum and Brown going forward. It should be massive for them. What about swapping him back to Charlotte for Terry Rosier? Nah <laughs> Hey Terry Would you okay. Would you rather at this point have this team with Kemba Walker running point or Terry Rozier running point? Given the way it ended with Rozier here, I'd still believe it or not rather Kemba Walker <laughs> because Rozier is he just does not He is a cancer. He would he would never fit in here again. It's it just wouldn't work. He couldn't. What about uh Goran Dragic? The Heat would be stupid to do that. I do that playing. in a second. I, yeah. Although he's not I, making that much money. He was making he's a making ton. like 19. I believe that didn't he re-sign a deal? I thought he re-signed for two for 25 after he was I making a I think it was like two before. for 36 or something. Yeah. I'd do it. it was like, Goran Dragic is good. The Heat wouldn't do that. That's the real issue. Yeah. The Heat would be stupid. Goran Dragic would look like an all-star in the system. All right. How about one last one before we wrap up the pot? How about trade Kemba to OKC... For Lugens Dort. Why would OKC do that? <laughs> they just like eating up his contract. I mean, we'd have to throw in like a two first round. Oh, place. yeah, we'll throw in Al Horford. Yeah, oh, Al Horford <laughs> come back for Kemba. <laughs> Y'all take it easy. I'm out. <laughs>
I don't even hate that. I don't. I don't. I really don't either. All right. Well, I wasn't kidding. I think uh, we've done a number on this podcast today, fellas. Had some good discussions. So, unless anybody else has anything else to say, anybody else has anything else to say? That's a hell of a line. Um, I think we can go ahead and put this one to bed. So, follow us on Twitter at the Cool Zone Pod. We will definitely be looking to see how the Celtics perform in their back-to-back against the 76ers on Wednesday, then on Friday, and then uh, they play Cleveland on Sunday, and then have a back-to-back. They play Chicago on Monday, although we'll probably be recording Monday. Who knows if we'll talk about it. Regardless, you'll find out then. Follow us on Twitter again. This has been The Cool Zone by... I don't even know what I'm saying at this point. I think my brain is fried. Just just end the pod. Yeah, I think we're going to end the pod. Yeah, yeah, DS, can you... DS, play the music.